did what he did. Now, if God is love, and he is, and Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God and showed us the Father, then obviously we should see love being personified in everything Jesus did and the reason a person, a person does things based on their nature and their character. People do things based on who they are inside. Jesus was no different. Right? He had God's nature inside of him. He responded to things the way God responded to things. He showed us the Father. This is the Father's response. He sees people hurting. He sees people needing help. He responds in compassion. Compassion is love pushed into action. Right? And I say push. What I mean is, is that love causes a person to act. When love is so strong in a person that it causes them to act, that's called compassion. Right? So when it says <clears throat> Jesus was God manifest in the flesh and showing us the Father, then obviously everything he did was out of love because that's God's nature. Right? So it just makes sense. If, if Jesus just showed us, if he just healed the sick or raised the dead to prove he was God, that would have actually been self-serving, which would have been selfish, which is the opposite of love. But see, we're, that's what religion teaches. Why? Because it has a wrong view of God. So, now look at verse, or page 34 of the manual, still in Mark chapter 9. And we were down to verse 25, where Jesus charged this dumb and deaf spirit to come out of the boy and never enter into him again. Verse 26, And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. And just as a note there, remember, when you are dealing with situations, you cannot go or respond or react based on what you're seeing. Right? <clears throat> Demons, like I said before, they will be belligerent and try to get you to back off, try to intimidate you. And if that doesn't work, then they'll try to pull the sympathy card and try to get you to sympathize and they'll whimper and cry and then try to get you to, to back off of your authority and dominion and start just trying to you know, oh, that's all right. It'll be okay. You're not dealing with a person, okay? You're dealing with a demon. Now, I'm talking about casting out devils. And if you're dealing with sickness or disease, it can be a little different. It just kind of depends on the situation. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand, okay? So this boy is lying there looking dead. But Jesus took this boy by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And, he, and when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, and this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, this is a combination of the Matthew 17, and you have to look at the two. And like we said yesterday, uh, actually Mark based a lot of his gospel off of Matthew and from Matthew. And so you have to realize what Je Jesus could not have told them this doesn't work because of prayer and fasting or because you're not doing it because he'd already told them they don't have to, right? But now at this point, all he, the bottom line was he told this thing to go and told it it could not come back. That's, what, that's the main point I'm trying to get across. Now, look at the next page, Luke 7, verse 11. <clears throat> so that boy was, in, in the last one, the boy was healed because of compassion. Verse 11, and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. 
and much people of the city was with her. Now, get the picture. <clears throat> this woman had one son, and she was a widow. Her husband was dead, and now her son was dead, the only son she had. She had no one to take care of her, no one to help her. <clears throat> and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, which is a, the, the casket, basically. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God has visited his people. But now notice what he said. This boy was dead, and he was raised from the dead, not because Jesus, not because of anything about this boy, but because Jesus had compassion on the mother. You get that? Third, I mean, now think about that. That's, you know, second party or third party compassion there, okay? He didn't even have compassion on the boy, the, the fact that the boy was dead. And, and apparently the boy was, you know, underage to be dead. I mean, obviously he wasn't 70, 80, 120, whatever, you know, scripture you want to grab hold of there. But it says he was a young man. But that, that didn't even seem to phase Jesus in that sense, but more that this woman was a widow and this was her only son and she was weeping and he had compassion on her and his, his compassion on her raised the dead boy. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. I think that boy should have been very thankful of his mother. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> now, <laughs> now look at this. What are we at here? Let me get my main There we go. I know I jumped from 34 to 37. I'm actually using two manuals at the same time. Okay? But I want to go now to, where we at? Yes. On page 35. Now, we, we just, actually now, 35 is 37, depending on what, which manual you had. So, now look at the bottom of that. It has Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. Why did he do it? Because God was with him. That's why he did it. He went around healing all that were oppressed of the devil, which also tells us everybody he healed was oppressed of the devil. Okay? Now, go with me to, uh, it should be page 41. Might be different. Is it 39 in yours? Let's see. Um, actually, let me go on. Actually, go to, okay. It says, like Jesus at the top. That's what it should say. Is that 39, 34? Okay. I don't know how these got changed up. I'm looking at two different manuals, and they got different pages on them. So Now, whether, regardless of what page it's on, look for like Jesus, okay? Now, in that one, there it says, the, at the top there, it is enough that the servant be as his master. In Matthew 10, 23, it says, but when, the, when they persecute you, and this is Jesus talking, but when they persecute you in this city, flee ye to another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. Hear that? You're to be as your master. 
Now, Jesus himself said that we are to do the same works he did, right? The same works and greater works because he went to the Father. The same works and greater works. Now, look at Luke 6, verse 39. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or mature, completed, shall be as his master. So now what did Jesus see as being mature? That you be like him, right? Okay, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. <clears throat> yeah, page 41 in one manual and page uh, what? 44. 44 in the other one. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, maturing, completing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You hear that? Every believer is supposed to grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. At that point, you become as a perfect man, they said. Isn't that what Jesus said? Anyone that is perfect will be like his master. He's repeating the same thing here. The idea for the church is that we grow up to look, talk, act, be like Jesus. Okay? Then he says in verse 14, that we henceforth, this is why he wants you to grow up, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You get that? May grow up into him. Not grow up in him. Now, we grow up in him, but the fact is, if we grow up in him, eventually we should grow up into him. And the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to grow us up into him so that whatever he did, we can do. And if we grow up into him, now we can even do greater than he did because he went to the Father. Right? He faced a devil full on that had full power at that point. We are facing a defeated foe. Right? So we should be able to do much greater than he did because our enemy doesn't have near the power it did whenever he faced him. Then he says, now notice here, in the, uh, where it says into him, in the Greek, it's number 1519 in Strong's Concordance. And it is a particular word. It's pronounced ice. It's E-I-S. It is a primary preposition, to or into, indicating the point reached or entered. You get that? A point reached or entered into. Now, with us, it's both. We enter into Christ, but it's also we reach a point where we are like him your nature, your character, your thoughts. You have the mind of Christ. You can do the works of Christ. You should look like him, talk like him, act like him, and you should grow up to the point where the world really can't tell you apart. Now, notice here. Yes, go to the next page, which I guess is 45. Yep, okay. First John chapter 2. Remember, we're talking about being like Jesus. Trying to emphasize to you. Now remember, one scripture, two scriptures, okay, in the mouth of two or three scriptures, let a thing be established. That's true. But well, I'm not just showing you one scripture or two scriptures. I'm showing you several scriptures in context that show us what we're supposed to be. So there should be no question about this by the time we finish this page. Okay? 1 John 2, verse 4, He that saith, I know him, 
and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. That's pretty blunt. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Now, if you have the love of God perfected in you, and love is in you to the degree where it starts to make you act, what are you going to be acting on? Compassion, right. <clears throat> and the truth is not in keepeth his word. In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Right? How? By the love that we have of God that is being perfected. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. There it is again. You say you're, you abide in him, you ought to walk as he walked. How did he walk? People say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're hung up on this power thing. You know, actually right now I'm talking more about the love of God. I'm talking about compassion. But you can't talk compassion without compassion being demonstrated. And every time Jesus demonstrated compassion, somebody got healed or raised from the dead or something. They got preached to or something. Every time. In 1 John, or I'm sorry, yeah, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. <clears throat> and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Now, that's about as plain as you can get. For we shall see him as he is. 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Notice the day of judgment, which, which is not this day. You get that? The day of judgment is not now. There's a day of judgment, and it ain't this day. Get that? Because, how, how are we going to have boldness in the day of judgment? We're not going to be worried about being judged. Why? Because as he is, so are we, present tense, now in this world. You get that? Over and over again, we are like him in spirit, and the more we are like him, okay, in spirit you're made like him. Then you renew your mind to where you have the mind of Christ operating in you, and whenever your mind is renewed to where you have that mind of Christ operating through you, now your mind and your spirit are operating in union, and whenever your mind and spirit operate in union, your, your mind will tell your body what to do, and now your body will do the things that Jesus did, like put hands on people and they'll be healed and raised from the dead. And then you have the spirit, soul, and body all working together, looking like Jesus. Isn't that simple? This is simple stuff. It's amazing how simple it is. <clears throat> John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he, notice he, not they, Right? I know there's a teaching out there saying uh, collectively the body of Christ can, can do the works, but individually no one can do the works. It's, it has to be collectively. We all have part of the Spirit of Christ, and together we are the body of Christ. Okay, <clears throat> there, there's truth to the fact that collectively we are the body of Christ, but he did not say that about the body of Christ. He said, he, individual, that believeth on me. Right? That's what he says. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, not they, he. So we're talking any individual Christian can do the same works Jesus did and greater. Okay? Because he says, and greater works than these shall he do, not they. Why? Because I go unto my Father. Then he said, why do I have to go to my Father? Because if I don't go, I can't send the Spirit back. He said, how do I do the works that I do? He said, I don't do them, but the Spirit of my Father in me, he does them. So what he's saying, 
the reason we can do the same works in greater is because he went to the Father because, and since he went to the Father, he sent his spirit back and now that same spirit dwells in us. So the same spirit that dwells in or dwelt in Jesus now dwells in us. The same spirit that did the works in Jesus dwells in us. We can do the same works and greater. Okay? Now, he says in verse 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Why? That you can be, that you can be glorified? Not necessarily but that my Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus gets glory, right? The Father gets glory through Jesus whenever you act in His name and get people free. Every time you set somebody free in the name of Jesus, the Father gets glorified. Mark 16, 18 through 20, it tells us they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We are to look like Jesus, be like Jesus, grow up into like Jesus. Take all these scriptures, go home, study them. You're not going to get this in one sitting. You know, you're going to hear this. You take it. You go back home. You study it out. You go to the scriptures. You look at them. Take them in, in as we said, even in context. Take more scriptures. Read seven scriptures before and seven scriptures after. Take it all in context. Search it out. Right? And what it will do is it will, it will only solidify what you're hearing. Because I've already done this. I've already checked it out. Believe me, if I, did, if I thought there was any chance that you would come up with a different answer, I wouldn't tell you to do this. Right? But I know if I can get you to study the word and you look at what is said and just what's said, not what man has said, but just what God has said in his word, I know you'll come to the same conclusion. Amen. Okay? Now, go back <clears throat> to page, I guess I should say, let's see here. Yeah. <clears throat> go back to section five, which in one manual... <laughs> is on page 36. Is it 39? Yeah. There we go. Section 5. There we go. Page 39. I just need to use this manual. Let me jump over there. There we go. Trade them out. Now, so we talked about the believers being like Jesus, but now we have to understand what that means when it comes to healing because we're talking about healing in this seminar. So we're going to talk about healing like Jesus. So let's see how Jesus healed. Number one, healing was a sign, not a reward. We've already talked about this. But here's the scripture. How do we know that's true? Mark 16, verse 15 through 18 tells us that. <clears throat> you can look at verse 17. And these signs, notice signs, shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Laying hands on the sick and them recovering is in the context as a sign as they go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? It is a sign to verify the gospel and the gospel that we are to preach. Jesus himself said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world and then the end will come, right? He did not say any gospel would be preached. He didn't say you can go and, and, and even, now understand, we know that the gospel includes the death, burial, burial and resurrection of Christ, but he didn't say that. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Now, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ gets you into the kingdom, so then you have the authority and the ability to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You get that? Now, and we are to preach his death, burial, and resurrection, of course, right? But the essence of the message is very simple. Jesus has been raised up as Lord and King. He is Savior. And then you heal the sick to demonstrate that 
and you're demonstrating what it's like to live in the kingdom. Now, the amazing thing is, <clears throat> there are countries I've gone into that w before I got there, they said, before you, we let you in, you have to have, show a record of shots, that you had to get shots, or back when I went to Africa the first time, they made us take malaria pills and all kinds of stuff, you know. Wouldn't have done it, but they said you had to have it, and you had to have a, a, a international immunization card showing that you'd had it done. I, I didn't know that they weren't picky about that, <laughs> right? I thought if I got there and didn't have that, that they wouldn't let me in. Find out now that's pretty much they tell you that, but you still show up and they still let you in, right? Pretty much. I mean, I'm sure there's some places, but it's amazing because <clears throat> to get into their quote unquote kingdom, you have to have a card saying you have had this shot. What well, if we would look at the kingdom of God similar to that, is that we are put into the kingdom, and the, the to get in the kingdom, we have to be immunized by Jesus. Right? His life, His Spirit has to be put into us. Now, if you would just realize what that Spirit in life... Let me ask you this. Is there any record Jesus was ever sick? No. Is there any record where He laid hands on somebody and it jumped on Him? <laughs> right? Or that He got sick or that he, he bore their sickness while He walked in this earth? Now, there was a point when He was tied to the whipping post that He bore those stripes for their sickness. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And He bore those things for us, but that was at the whipping post. It wasn't before. Before that, it was pure dominion, and he chased those things off, and when they left people, they didn't go on him, mm -hmm. right? They just went out. Why? Because in him, now listen, it would have been possible for him to get sick, mm -hmm. right? I mean, physically. I mean, he had a human body, basically. So, he, I mean, his body died, so it was capable of dying. It was capable of getting sick, but you have to realize he never worried about getting sick. He never got sick. There's no record of him getting sick. Why? Because the, the spirit of life in him set him free from that. You get that? He was free of that. It, it was as if, in a sense, we'd say, well, was it possible? Yes. But was it really possible or probable? No. Why? Because he knew who he was. That's what kept that off, right? It wasn't some divine protection in the sense of God said, no, nope, you can't get on Jesus. He's special. It wasn't like that. Jesus did not believe he could get sick, right? He walked in it. If he, now think about this. If he knew he had authority over sickness and disease, then he knew he had authority to keep that stuff out of him. And so, therefore, the, the things that he was casting out would not get on him. Mm -hmm. He was immunized, in a manner of speaking, against sickness or disease, right? Well, now think about this. When you come into the kingdom of God, what gets you in the kingdom? You, you receive his spirit, right? If, if, you don't, if you have not the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. If you don't have his spirit, you're not in his kingdom. You're not born again. To get, born, to get in the kingdom, you've got to get born again. When you're born again, you're born again into this kingdom, translated from one to the other. Isn't that right? Amen. That spirit of life that is put in you when you get born again, that puts you in the kingdom, if you would just realize that the minute you get born again, technically you get immunized against sickness and disease, technically, right? It, but the only difference is there comes a point where you have to believe it to activate it because everything in the kingdom is by believing. Everything is by faith, right? And once you realize that stuff can't touch you, you start to walk free from it and you have no fear of it. And you don't, it doesn't matter where you go. I, I remember when I went to South Africa, <clears throat> our first time over, first time I went to South Africa, it was amazing. We went to this church. It was a huge church and they had something like 5,000, 6,000 people in there. But it was in the middle of nowhere. You're driving on an African road. There's trees and 
shanty towns and you name it all up and down and two hours, two and a half hours outside of Johannesburg <clears throat> and you see this little sign that says, Still Fontaine. It means still waters or still fountain. And you're, you're driving and there's nothing there. It's just kind of open land. And all of a sudden, you see this thing in the distance and it's a, it looks like almost like a temple in Jerusalem. I mean, the thing is this huge building made out of this huge white rock. It's a beautiful building. And you just, you, the closer you get, you look at it and you think, wow, that's a church. And then you find out, well, that's, that's the church we're going to. The membership of that church is bigger than the population of the town it's in. Now think about that. People come from all around to get there and there's more members than there is a population in that town. And they've done a great work. That's amazing what they've done. Uh, they have a satellite television network out in the middle of nowhere. They, they, that satellite net, uh, network reaches into right at 200 countries in the world, all over the world. They've just come into America. They're on 400, uh, what do you call it, cable network systems right here in America right now. And when they heard our message, the man said, we like this. He said, we're going to put you on. And he put us on the air, didn't charge us a dime for, uh, what, eight, uh, four, five, five years now. They have put us on free of charge, playing our material at least twice a week, sometimes more when they had an open spot. They would just stick something on. We would send them DVDs. They just put it on. That same time that they gave us, and, and now we're, it's on here in America, for me to pay for that kind of time on TBN would have cost me $80,000 an hour. That, that's what TBN generally charges for an hour, right? And they put us on two to three hours a week free of charge. It's going around the world, right? So we're driving up into this place and all these people are coming from all other countries and everything else and they're showing up in there and it's amazing. This place is packed out and on one side and, and there they have to keep people that have communicable diseases separate from everybody else and when they walk in they say, are you here for prayer? And they say, yes, we're, we're here for prayer. What do you have? Well, I have HIV, okay? And they write, they take a piece of paper, kind of like we have these and they will write uh, HIV positive, usually, something like that, and sometimes it'll say, I have HIV, and they write it on paper, and the people, they either tape it to them, or they have to carry it around. They have to carry it around all the time. The whole time they're in there, they carry that paper around. And so, we go in, and they make them sit on this one side, and it's, it's completely separated by a pretty good distance, and everybody knows you don't go over there. And so, we get there, and it just so happened that this night, they had this place, uh, it's called, they call it the Pool of Bethesda. And it's just a thing. It's amazing. It's just a, a flat church. You know, the floor is flat, kind of like it is here. And they just built a little brick wall, sealed it up, filled it with water so it's about this deep. And then they stand there and they anoint people with oil and they come in and they do this uh, once a month. They have a pool, a, um, pool of Bethesda service where he'll preach and then they'll pe bring people in and people will come over there and they'll pull off their shoes and just step in the water and then they'll have a row of ministers that anoint them with oil and they just walk through this pool and they will kind of walk in. it's kind of curved and they walk out the other side people get healed walking through it. It's amazing, you know. Now it's, there's no magic in the water, right? It's a point of contact. They believe, they come there for it, they get healed. It's amazing. So this night was supposed to be, I was there and I was speaking and it's going to be a healing service and it was their normal Pool of Bethesda night service. And so the pastor came to me and said, do you, you know, do you want to take the, the pool? Do you want to work the pool, basically, and which means, means stand there and, you know, anoint people when they come there. And I'm like, no, I'm not really. He said, you know, what do you want to do? He said, well, you, you can work in the pool or we got the HIV people over here. And I'm like, you take the pool. I'll take the HIV people. And so I go over there and they're not really used to 
contact. They're used to people standing in front of them saying, God wants to heal you. Jesus paid the price. Be healed. Everything's at a distance. And so, which I didn't know how they were used to doing it. and didn't matter to me because that's not how I'm used to doing it. And so when I went over there, I, actually, I got charged. I mean, I got excited yeah. thinking about it. And I see all these people there. And the only way you got in that section was you had to have that piece of paper saying, I have HIV positive. That's, that's the only way you got in there. And so I started walking toward them, and these people are sitting there, and as the closer I got, they're kind of like, he's coming in here, you know? And so pretty soon, I'm just starting to wade in through them, and all these people start trying to grab a hold of me, and I, they grab me, and I grab their hand and pray for them, be healed, be healed. And it was a man, I put my hand on there, burning up with fever, sweat pouring off of them, and it wasn't hot at that time there. Believe it or not, it snows in South Africa. I don't know if you know that or not. It snows. In Cape Town, we went there, had to buy jackets and everything, because we didn't go prepared. Snow, there's mountains and there's snow. There's penguins, penguins in South Africa. Who would have guessed, you know? <laughs> and, and, and every picture you've ever seen of a great white shark grabbing a seal, you ever seen those pictures? They always show them eating a seal. Every one of those pictures that's ever been taken was taken right off the coast of Cape Town. Right up, that's where they go. And you go out there and you can watch sharks eat seals, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, <clears throat> but you can just go out there and watch it. It's amazing. It's right by Robbins Island where uh, Nelson Mandela was at uh, for all those years. And so we go in this place. And now that's 18 hours from where we were at. Uh, that's a little bit further up. But I wade in amongst these people. They all start grabbing me. And all of a sudden they start handing me their babies because their babies are born with HIV. And so I take this baby and the baby's burning up, sweat. And I take this baby and I'm holding this baby and I just start crying. And, and I'm praying on it and put my hands away and I hand it back. And the people come up and they see me and they just start grabbing my clothes and grabbing a hold of me because they're taught, you touch the man of God, you'll get healed. And I mean, man, they were grabbing me and grabbing my clothes and everything. And I'm wading through these people. And then the people thought, they, they started seeing that I was, you know, touchable. And they jumped up and started grabbing me and hugging me. And the, these, these women would grab me and hug me and kiss my face. The men would grab me and hug me and kiss my face. And it was amazing because when I got down there, I was covered. My, my clothes was covered with their sweat. With all of, the, all of the, 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 the sweat off their body was on my face. They'd kissed me. They'd everything. And I never once thought about, oh, better be careful. I don't want to catch this. No, I was going through there and just loving them. And, and I saw them the way Jesus saw them, that these are people that needed help. They had no hope, no help, nothing. And then some people heard about that in a Baptist church, actually, in Cape Town. They heard about it, <coughs> and they, they, had this, they had the world's largest uh, medical, free medical clinic in Cape Town at a Baptist church. They actually contacted, when George Bush was president, they contacted him and some of his faith-based initiatives that he did. He actually allotted some money to help them build this facility. It was amazing when we got there. And they brought me in, Baptist church, and they said, come preach. And they said, you know, and so I got in there and so I preached and we had a healing service and it was awesome. Well, afterwards they said, you know what? We've been helping these people. We've been teaching them some things, how to get jobs and how to work and all that. And they said, but, and we, we've been giving them shots and we've had medical treatment. He said, but we think we have discovered a better way. And so, so they, 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 they still have some of the medical stuff going on, but it's very limited. But now they're praying for people. And they've been trained as divine healing technicians they're starting to pray for people. And they're starting to preach this to them and teach this to them. And they're starting to get a hold of it. Why? Because this is truth. And it's working for them. And then whenever we left, we, we came back home within about six months. It took about six months. We started getting reports in from that healing service. They had right at 300 people just in the uh, HIV section. 
when we got back, they started sending in the reports, and when they finally collected everything from doctors verifying the results, three, it was over 308, 312, something like that, people that were absolutely documented healed of HIV from that one-night service. Praise God. See, I'm telling you, <laughs> we need to think kingdom care. You understand what I'm saying? Not Obamacare. Right? We need to think kingdom care. The kingdom, the church, should be healing the sick. I mean, dude, can you imagine what would happen if the church actually got a hold of this and decided we are going to eradicate sickness and disease in our city? And they started thinking that in every city and started working toward that. Do you know how much finances would be freed up just in the government that they didn't have to pay for people's care and that kind of stuff? Do you know, there would be such a surplus. It's ridiculous. Why? Because if just the Christians lived in health, there would be a surplus. <laughs> that was from the crowd. <laughs> but do you realize, listen, I firmly, I, I, all my heart, I mean, we know we, we enjoy what we do, right? We enjoy it. We have fun doing it. But we also realize how serious this is. You know, but if you don't enjoy something, you won't do it very long. So you have to enjoy it. But at the same time, we have to realize this is who the church is supposed to be. That's right. and, I, and I firmly believe for the last 13 years now, it was amazing. About the first eight years, it was, it was am amazingly hard to get this message into the church, into the churches, into people where they would get. I mean, we got invited a lot of places one time. Right? and didn't get invited back. And many times the churches didn't pick it up around with The people loved it. They would do it, but the churches, nope, we didn't do it. And it was amazing, just the resistance. And, and even prophecy that Dr. Lake gave even said that. He said that he will not be understood or, accept, or, or accepted among his brethren. Amen. And it's funny, but recently there was a, a person who did a, a chart uh, of the healing, heritage of healing. His name is Kevin Dedman. I'll tell you who did it. He's out in Bethel with Bill Johnson. And they did this chart, and they show all these people. And then when it comes down to, to John G. Lake, they, they draw the influences from John G. Lake to Cal Pierce. We're not even on there. Didn't even include us on there. The, the, the people who have the ministry named after John G. Lake isn't even on the list. Right? Guess what? They're fulfilling prophecy. We weren't understood or accepted by our brethren. Why? And it's funny, because you have to be in the clique. I don't fit in the clique. Why? Because... I free people. I don't make you dependent. Amen? If I make you dependent, you're dependent on God. I don't make you dependent on me. I don't say I'm the, I'm the fount of the anointing, and if you want my anointing, you've got to get to me. I don't say that stuff. I say if you want to know the anointing, get to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. But we have to realize, I firmly believe. Now, from 2008 till now, in 2008, it was amazing. Like we topped the hill, it's been spreading like wildfire. I mean, it's been so amazing you just start preaching. People get it. They run with it. It's amazing. Churches are affiliating with us. We're planting churches all over the world now. We're planting life teams, which are our Bible study groups. If there's not a JGLM or a IAC church near, people plant life teams. They take this message back. They gather groups, sit in their living room, teach it. When they get 12 to 15 people, they'll break off, start another one, and it just spreads. You know, It's New Testament Christianity is all there is to it. And, but I really believe that the reason this message has spread the way it has and why God has, 
This message laid dormant for 70 years. People tell me all the time, oh, I've never heard anything like this. And I tell them, it's only because you're not old enough. You know, if you were 85 years old, you've heard this. But you've not heard it in the last 70 years because it pretty much died out because it didn't go the way that demanded you were dependent on people. And the people in power didn't like it, so it died out. Well, the reason I believe it has had a resurgence, God brings truth. He sets people free, usually just before they need it. He brings truth back into the church many times. Not that he was holding it back, but people are ready for it, and it's unveiled there. But I can't help but believe that one of the reasons why this is so strong now and is moving so quickly is because we're going to need to have to know how to walk in this very shortly. Yes. You know, yes. Not that it's not already out there, but I believe that we're going to see some things happening that you're going to have to know this. Yes. You're going to have to know how to have faith in God, yes. how to walk in His promises <clears throat> as opposed to what other things that are going on. Yes. You're going to have to know how to resist sickness and disease, whether it's natural or man-made. You're going to have to know how to resist it. You're going to have to be able to walk through it. When other people walk through a mist and catch something, you're going to walk through it and walk free of it and it not touch you. Amen? It's going to take, I believe that we're going to see that. And so I believe that's why God is bringing this back out. So we need to take this to heart. This is not just a seminar. Please understand that. It's not just come here, let's go to this seminar and catch this and we'll run to this next seminar next week. This isn't just a seminar. This required, this, what, what convinced me that this is the gospel is that it requires you to make a change. It requires you literally to separate yourself from other teaching and say, that's the truth. Now, that's not to say separate only to this or anything like that. I'm just saying it requires you to make some decisions where you have to look at teachings you've had and you have to look at it and say, you know what? That made sense then, but in the light of Scripture, I've got to go with Scripture. Amen. And you start, making, you start making those changes to where you actually start walking in these things and that means you're going to walk different than other people, right? Because this is not what most people hear, at least not yet. Eventually, though, God himself prophesied it. Eventually, this will be the message of the church. Why? Because we've got to move back to what the Bible says. It's that simple. So, now, very quickly here, <clears throat> let's look at the rest of this. In uh, Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew, down at the bottom of the page there, Matthew chapter 4. Now, we're talking about healing like Jesus. So if you're going to heal like Jesus, we're not talking about methods. Okay, we're talking about results. Healing like Jesus. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken. And notice, who'd they bring? All sick. They didn't leave any sick at home. All sick came to him. All sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. You know what that means? That means that not one person that they brought to him was not healed. Not one person. You get that? Every single person that they brought to him got healed. Multitude. You got that? Now, who is the healer in this situation? Jesus, all right? Who was the person with faith? Well, either Jesus or the person that brought the other people to him, right? Who got healed? All the sick in the area. You get that? So if you're going to heal like Jesus, you got to heal all. If all aren't healed, you're not yet healing like Jesus, right? 
Now, look at the next one. <clears throat> Again, Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. You hear that? Now, you notice, he, he didn't. Now, there, there's a time and place, and Till Osborne has, has shown this. I've done this in other countries where, for various reasons, sometimes it's just that people can't stay very long, and so you want to get to everybody. And so I've prayed mass prayers and had people healed, and then I'll stay after them and say, okay, if anybody else needs healing, come forward, and I'll lay my hands on you. But we've had people healed just as a command. We've just said a prayer, basically, what do you mean a prayer? It's just a command. And people got healed, and they could leave. But there have been times when I was in um, South Africa, w one time, the line, it was amazing. It went out of, out of the building, outside, across the courtyard, into another building. And then as I went through, I literally walked down the line, walked into the next building, praying for people, turned around and come back, and they'd already been replaced with another line of people. And then I worked my way back through, started at about 9 o'clock at night, and was praying at 1.30 in the morning. Still praying for people in this line. Now, later on, we found out that there was times that a couple of them had got back in line just to get, in their terms, a double portion. Okay? So, that did happen from time to time. But, and then the same thing when I was up at Ruth Ward Heflin's uh, in, in Ashland, Virginia, uh, a few years back, well, several years back now, around 2000, I guess it was. Uh, we went up there, and they, they had me praying for people. We did a healing service there pray for people till after 1.30 in the morning that night too and they actually came and got me and said Brother Curry you got to go uh, you're, you're going to see uh, Sister Heflin in the morning so we want to get you up early so you got to go get some rest and there was still a line of people and I told him I said okay hang on just a minute I said what's, 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 your, what's your deal what do you, what's the matter I have terminal cancer I said okay you tell them that I have to go because I can't and they're like well you just do what you need to do I said alright so we kept praying why because you can't stop then because if a person with terminal with a terminal disease if you leave them till tomorrow, the devil will do everything he can to kill them that night. Yeah. We've seen it happen before. And so I just decided I will never do a healing service that anybody, I, I will never leave anybody in a healing service that has not been prayed for by me personally if they want it. Mm -hmm. And we have never done that. We've never, I've seen some preachers, you know, it's like there's a door. You get between me and the door, you'll get prayed for. Otherwise, I'm heading out that door. I've seen that. I don't do it. Why? Because I had a baby I put in the ground. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want anybody else to have that same thing. And so we stay, we do it. People say, don't you get tired? Actually, while I'm praying, no. It's not till I'm done. When I get done, then I go home and <laughs> fall into bed. You know, that's, or if I'm on the road, it's a, get back to the hotel room. You don't get tired. Listen, the spirit of life in you. Yes. Listen, you got to get this. <clears throat> People call it the anointing or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't lessen. You, you, when, when you pull it out, whenever I'm praying for you or laying hands on you, I'm not depleting what I have. You understand that? If anything, because of what I'm doing, it's growing. It's, and and you, it, literally, you get wired up. I mean, the more you pray, the more you preach, the more wired up you get. You know? and, and if there's not enough people to pray for and you're not there a couple of hours and you get back to the motel room, you're still wired up until you know, 2 in the morning. Might as well be praying for people. Because you'll get back you can't sleep. You know? This stuff's real. This is, it's alive. You know? it, when you get done here at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night and you think, okay, we're going to go grab a bite to eat at the Waffle House. And the whole time you're sitting there, you're thinking, yeah, let's, you know, who else? Who else? You know, give me somebody. Come on. You know, I got, got some left. You know, let's do it. Amen. It, you don't drain me. The more I do, the more it builds. You get that? This whole idea of drain, well, you know, the anointing has lifted. No, that's preacher talk for I'm tired and I want to go back to my room. Right? The anointing doesn't lift. He can't lift. The anointing is a person. He can't lift. 
He abides with me forever, Jesus said. You understand that? I'm always anointed. I'm never not anointed. Why? Because he abides within me. He, he will never leave me nor forsake me. No matter where I'm at, doesn't matter if I'm behind this pulpit or in Walmart, I'm just as anointed. Why? Because he's still God. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> now, i got to get you out of here, so I'm going to try to finish this up here. Luke 4, <clears throat> some was sitting. He laid his hands on everyone, healed them, healed them all. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. So here he is hiding. He didn't want them to testify for him. Okay? We saw that with Paul, too. Same thing happened. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, a couple of things there. First off, who was the healer? Jesus. Who were the person with faith? Right? It was anybody that came to him, right? Obviously. But it, it doesn't say anything about their faith. But people brought them to him. So we can assume Jesus had faith himself, right? I, I would say it would be safe to assume Jesus had faith. Amen. Wouldn't you? I mean... Okay, and then who got healed? Everyone that was sick, everybody. Again, healed them all. Amen. Now, <clears throat> notice here. This is what, what is amazing. You could tell how much God, Jesus had in him. Because there is not a preacher in the world that would generally leave when the revival had just broken out. Isn't that right? Usually, when the revival breaks out, the preachers stay there until it starts to die. Then as soon as it starts to die, they leave before it actually dies so they can say, when I left, it was still going, mm -hmm. right? You know, but here Jesus, as soon as they, I mean, they want him to stay. They're saying, please stay here with us. Don't go. He says, no, I got to go preach other cities too. In other words, you got it. Run with it, right? Keep it going, which shows what he was sent to do. He was sent to preach, to heal, to set people free. He was trying to light fires. He wasn't trying to build a name. You see that? He was trying to help people, and as soon as they caught it, he left and went to another place. Years ago, <clears throat> we, um, <clears throat> we had this old van, and it was a piece of junk, but it, it traveled, amazingly kept running <clears throat> long after you would think it would have. And I don't have a lot of visions and stuff, but I see sometimes like almost like snapshots, like just a flash. That's a, like I saw a picture, just chunk, and I saw it, and that's all I saw was that during that split second. But in that split second, it's almost like I could see a depth to it that I could explain later. <clears throat> and we had this van, and this is before we were, actually it was before I went to Africa the very first time, which was in 97, is before we had launched out into ministry. We were getting some results, but we weren't in ministry. Nobody was, if anything, anybody, everybody was uh, <clears throat> rejecting us, not calling us, okay? We, we were, people were glad when we left the church, not when we got there, okay? because I, I tended to ask all the wrong questions. And so, and I wasn't too politically correct when I was doing it, or theologically in their mind correct. And so, we weren't being asked to preach anywhere, but we had, I had my family. And they were kind of a captive audience, okay? And I had myself, my wife, we had our three children. They were all teens at that point, kind of mid-teens, late-teens. <clears throat> and then they always had friends. And so we always had a bunch of kids over at our house and that kind of stuff. And so, but I had this mini vision, if you want to call it, and I saw us in this old van. And this, again, remember, this was before anything started, before we were ever traveling. But I saw us in this van, 
and I saw us come into a town, and we pulled, and it's like we're moving really quick, hit the brakes. As soon as we hit the brakes, put it in park, doors flew open. <clears throat> My kids jumped out, I jumped out, and what it was is we had seen this little fire underneath the house. And so we jumped out, lined up, you know how they used to do the old fire bucket brigades? You know, they would take the bucket and pass it, and they would pour water on the fire to put it out. We, we did that, we had this fire bucket brigade, and it was me and my family, and we would pass this bucket down, and whenever I'd take the bucket at the house and I would throw the bucket on it, the flame, the little fire underneath there would go, and it didn't put it out, it spread it. And what we were putting on it was oil, not water. And as soon as that caught, all of a sudden we, it was, it was funny, it was like military precision. We broop right back in the van, shut the doors, take off, bam, go down the road, there's another fire stop, boom, there, just boom, 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 right there. And we just went from place to place starting fires. And I saw that, and that was in 97, and then totally forgot about it until about 05, 06, somewhere through there. And I remember we, because we still had vans at that time, and I remember we went to a place and we got out and I, when we got out, I remember saying, well, let's go see if we can start some fires. And I remembered. And I'll talk about it, I'm like, wow, we're doing it. We're Because where we went, we went where we were invited. So there was already a little fire there. And our whole job was just to fan that flame into a much bigger fire. And so that's really all we've ever done. I've never, now listen, I've never gone there to try to corral the fire or to try to control the fire. We've gone there to start the fire, and many times we leave, and we don't ever hear from them again, but we know the fire got started. So the idea is not to just to, to try to gain fire, it's to spread fire. Amen? Yeah. And so that's what we've done from, really, from that time to now. Now, the last one here, finally, Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down with them, stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Notice why they came. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue or power out of him and healed them all. So Jesus was the healer. The person with faith was Jesus, but we also see they came to be healed, so we know they had some, right? And they tried to touch him, knowing that they would get healed. And so who got healed? All that had need of healing. He healed them all over and over again. Now, I've shown you definitely two things so far this morning. I've shown you that every healing Jesus did was by compassion. And number two, he healed them all. He never failed to heal him. One time he had a man that was blind. He laid hands on him and said, how's that? And the man said, I see men as trees walking. And he didn't go, well, that's, uh, you know, that's as far as it goes then. He laid hands on him again, and this time he was perfectly healed. Right? So it shows you can lay hands on a person more than once, and it's okay. Right? It's not unbelief to pray again and again. You have to remember, <clears throat> you're not asking God over and over again to heal them. Every time you lay hands, you are giving them more of what you've got, life. You're pouring life into them. And depending, I'm, I'm just going to use just a kind of a basic analogy here. <clears throat> People basically break into different categories. Uh, we'll say uh, Mark 4, 30, 60, 90 fold. Right? We'll just use those. 
each one of those groups are people. Some produce 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Isn't that right? So we know that there, in that group, there are people, these are individual people who will produce, some will produce 30, some other people will produce 60, and other people will produce 100, right? So there are different categories of people. First, there's the four categories, and then the fourth category is broken down into three categories. Now, some people, okay, the 30-fold would be like a garden hose, okay? <clears throat> the 60-fold would be more like a fire hose. The hundredfold is more like the dam breaking. You get it? Now, a, a thirtyfold can move up to the sixty and even up to the hundredfold. You can, you can, there's nothing that says you, you're only going to be a thirtyfold the rest of your life. You should grow. But the thing is, at any given time, now you can go thirty, sixty, a hundred, or you might drop back down to 60, go back up to 100, drop back down to 30, drop back, go back. You see what I'm saying? It fluctuates. You could be a person who fluctuates with various results. At any given time, you may only be giving out 30%, so to speak, of what you've got for various reasons. And we've talked about some of those reasons. Most of it has to do with you getting entangled with the affairs of life other things that come in. It says that the affairs of life come in and these thorns or these things choke out the Word of God. Well, the more... Listen, entangled doesn't happen overnight. You don't go from unentangled to totally entangled and go from, you know, <clears throat> good results to no results. It's progressive. So you could hit this thing at 100% and then get tangled up in things and your results start to dwindle. You see? And you could drop back down to 30-fold. So at any given time, you lay hands on a person because of whatever else is going on, you, you may go from the fire hose to the garden hose. And you're only putting out what would go through a garden hose as opposed to being a fire hose. You get that? Right. So if you're only giving out through a fire hose, well, how many of you know that you can fill up a swimming pool yeah. with a garden hose or with a fire hose? Now, which one takes less time? The fire hose, right? Why? Because more water's going through it. So sometimes, depending on where you are, it may take you a little longer to get somebody healed than it would at other times, or even another person. Has nothing to do with the will of God. God's will is always yes. Always yes and amen on the promises. Isn't that right? So it's always going to. But depending on where you are at any given time, you may be only able to give out 30%. And if I can only give out 30%, that means I'd actually ha have to lay hands on a person Four times, right? 30%, 30, 60, 90. That's 90%. 90 isn't 100. Right? So at 90%, you don't stop. You do it again. Now you give them 120%, and now what do they have? 30% or 20% overflow. Amen. Right? And you just have them go give out what you got. Amen? Do you see how that works? I know these are just numbers. I'm trying to give you an analogy, but I want you to see how it works. You may have to lay hands on a person three or four times. All right, to get them well. If you do, you say, well, you know, that's not right. No, it's not. It should be once. But the person's sick. Don't get hung, don't, don't be a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. Don't get hung up on, a, on some kind of theological thing where, well, we can only pray once. No, Jesus prayed twice. If he prayed twice, you might have to pray three times. Mm -hmm. Right? Not saying you have to, but I'm just saying, don't get hung up. Well, I've already prayed, so I'm not going to pray again. No, people are still sick. You give what you got. If at any given time you're only giving out 30%, you give 30%. Amen. 
If you say, how's that doing? Well, it's better, but not good enough. Okay, give them another 30%, right? And you keep doing it until they're well. The key is you keep going till they're well, okay? It's not about your praying. It's about them being well, amen? It's not about you being the guy that, you know, prayed a certain way or got it done or something like that. It's about this person needs help. Get you off your mind, get them on your mind, amen? Y'all get that? Does it help? Okay, go to lunch. Go to lunch. student of the word and ooh, he said a lot <laughs> and he said plenty to make uh, a lot of folks mad he would he would stir up some hornet's nest in many places but you know and I was thinking about that and I was uh, I didn't have the uh, uh, I didn't have the time today to, to view this today or before. I was kind of in study. <laughs> it was amazing, same places he was teaching today, so it's kind of ironic about the peril of the sower. But uh, anyway, I said, well, I don't know about this or that or whatever. You know, they told Jesus that. They said uh, the Pharisees would say, who's he think he is and this and that and the other. And Jesus said, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. If you can't do that, at least believe on me on the evidence of the works themselves. You know, when you pray for 300 plus people with HIV positive, and 300 something people get healed, you probably know something, right? Doesn't it mean it's all. A hundred percent, but uh, what I appreciate about uh, his his teaching, his ministry, and, and the way he conducts it is that, and I've already mentioned this before, is there would be no reason to have a DHT if this was gifts, and you would just have something on the gifts, and you didn't know. Then we say, well, maybe there's uh, even in the word of faith circles there's much teaching about well we do collectively we have the power of God collectively uh, Patrick Norris and I talked about this years ago when he came and did a meeting and we were, he was praying for the sick and we had some unusual miracles and he and I talked about this was a lot of it was contrary to um, what he and I both had been taught and uh, he and and it does come out of Ephesians 4 where you know, it, it talks about the body and then we look at the analogy of the body and how the body is one but yet has many parts, many members. So the teaching would be, well, and this one has a gift to where they pray and they have a lot of success with hearts and this one has a lot of thing, you know, success with tumors and this one has a lot of success with you know, this issue or that issue, this issue. And so it, it was kind of towards you'd go to a general practitioner and then the general practitioner would send you to a specialist and say, well, if you'll go to the, this person, they have a, a gift in this area, and uh, they get hearts healed, but they don't really get kidneys done. And this is the kidney guy. 
but they don't really get this that much. And, you know, God gave this gift to this, and, and altogether that's not wrong altogether, but yet at the same time. And so I asked Patrick one day, I said, <clears throat> I said um, well, I don't know how you could ever obey that scripture if it took the full measure of the body to get the full measure of Christ, then we'll never have it. Well, there's seven billion, around seven plus billion people on the planet. Do you know every believer? I don't. And how are we all going to get together? I know we're not going to meet in this room. Right? So that means we can't bring all the power available to the body if it takes all of us together to get the measure that was just in Christ. So you just some common sense things would tell you that can't be what that means. And so the, what he was alluding to that was, yes, there, the, all this is in the body, and there are gifts different, and all such this. But Jesus said, if you believe on me, the works that I do, you'll do these works. You will, not you and every believer that makes up a full measure. You don't know every believer. You can't get them all together. So, um, <clears throat> so that's, that's in every believer. The ability that's in every believer. So um, uh, I, I've heard people say, well, I've been to one of so many seminars, I didn't really like them. I said, why? He said, well, they just don't dress very nice. He said, he don't either. And I said, I'm thinking, I, I, I just didn't see that one coming. I said, well, they, they just kind of like, uh, what did one person say, they're on the, lower middle scale of the of the church people God, you know, the kind of people that come there, they're just, you know, they don't mind meeting in an old holiday inn somewhere. I don't know, it just didn't feel right me being there. Yeah. I'm thinking, man, okay. But and these are church leaders. You see that? Uh, you know, if if, if, if someone's if someone is dying of HIV or whatever it is, and you can get them healed, do you think they'll care what you're wearing? You, you may not wear it, you may not like it, you may prefer something else, but would, would you really care? You know, remember, remember, the, remember the, what was the guy Jesus healed and, and, they, and then they got mad and, well, I guess it was the Acts 3, wasn't it? And, and uh, or the guy that said, all I know was, I can't answer all your questions. All I know was, I was blind, but now I see. And he, he said, well, I heard he might be over there. Why, y'all want to join up with him? And that made them, <laughs> that made them mad. No, we don't want to join up with him. But this ain't God because of whatever. And that's what Jesus keeps on saying. He, says, he said, you are a bunch of hypocrites because if your donkey got in the ditch on the, on the Sabbath, you go get it out for the sake of the donkey. And aren't these people better than donkeys? And so the church just keeps tripping over itself over and over and over trying to get everything together. Or, or you know, they say you, you healed on the wrong day. There's six days to do this work, and you're doing it on the wrong day. Well, you know, this woman was bowed over, what, how long, 18 years? So you're saying, so what they were saying was Jesus healed her, but he did it on the wrong day. Well, they had 18 years, six days a week. Why didn't they get it done? You think they really cared about that woman? They didn't give two flips about that woman. But power is in question. You know, money's a powerful thing. And titles and all this kind of stuff. So it's just like 
it's just like God sometimes just to bring in, you know, Curry Blake is kind of like a, and he used to teach martial arts, and I think he talked about that some, but he, and a military man such as that, but he, uh, he's kind of kind of like God's short little Rambo. <laughs> and he, he has to have a tough spirit about him, don't he? Because this wasn't easy getting into a church. Now his church is a lot different from what I understand because he's got a kind of a kind of call to a world and it wouldn't be like a typical church. Now, in fact, if you go to his church, you have to be a member to come to Sunday school. So he's probably not trying to do church like everybody else is. He's trying to, he has a message and he, and he wants to get it out and to keep it pure, he protects it. So he probably wouldn't be Sunday school like most people have Sunday school. And he probably don't have fifth Sunday singing. Do you, what, what do y'all think? Can, can you see him with the fifth Sunday singing and having the quartet and, and casserole and all that kind of stuff? So, but, but, uh, so you, you can't be a member of Dominion Life Church unless you've, I don't know if they do it through DVD or if he has someone in the church, he has others that teach the seminars. You, you can't even be a member of the church until you sit through one of these. Not most of them, not some of them, all of them. And then you have to pass a certain test to make sure that you understood it. So you even know where to start as being part of that church. So uh, you can come to church as a visitor during the regular service, but you can't come to Sunday school there. You gotta meet criteria to be a, a member to come to Sunday school. I mean, serious, ain't it? <laughs> but see, he's but but he's getting but he's getting results. Well, you know, Jesus was serious, wasn't he? They were sleeping; he was awake. They were snoring; he was praying all night. But he was getting results. He was separating himself constantly. So perhaps it takes some of that. And then he quoted those scriptures. He says, "Well, he said you can't be above your master." But you're called to be like him. You're not. You're gonna not gonna be above him, but we are called to walk the same walk that he walked. Well, I don't. Mean, this is just a question I'll post to y'all, and then we need to go. Actually, this is a question from A. A. Allen, talking about some of the stuff, he, and he and he used that scripture that I just quoted. A man is not to be above his master, but he's to be as him. It's enough for us to be the pupil, to be like the teacher. Not above him, but like him. But don't you think we might have to do some of the things that he did to get the results that, see what I'm saying? Um, you know, just like if you went to go to school for six, four, six, eight years to do what you do, and then someone decides, well, you can just come to four classes and we'll give you the same degree. Well, they couldn't have the same training. There's just no way, right? I mean, they, they couldn't be a master skilled craftsman. You know, that, that went four times. I mean, you know, I mean, just owning a toolbox don't make you a skilled carpenter, does it? it doesn't. I mean, it, it, you can buy a toolbox. You can get you a, a pick em up truck and print you some cards. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you're skilled in those things. So, uh, yeah. So this is this is what this is about, and and uh, and I and I hope y'all seeing this. Uh, and I know sometimes it gets kind of 
but he's, he's trying to lay a foundation for us, line upon line, precept upon precept. But you understand, because his thing is, if the word said it, that's, all, that's his evidence. See what I'm saying? If the word said it and it's in the New Testament, that's, that's my evidence. And I believe in the gifts because, you know, I've heard people say, well, Curry don't believe in the gifts. Well, that's wrong. He does believe in the gifts. But he's not depending on gifts. If, uh, if the gift of faith is working or working in miracles, man, we're all excited. But he's not sitting, you know, William Brandon would sit there and he would wait for the hill. Remember William Brandon said, I can't do nothing until the angel shows up. Angels show up and tell him all kind of stuff about that people to help. Well, everyone has different type ministries. Curry and Blake's now sitting there at the podium waiting for Michael or Gabriel to show up. Can you tell that? that that's not his thing. But see, he, he, he has all his confidence, you see, in the Word. So to some people through the years, especially in the Word Church, you, you've gained an appreciation for the Word more than... Have you ever noticed you, t- you, you tell people, you say, those of you who have the same appreciation for the Word, have you ever tried to share the, the, uh, the Word with someone who doesn't share that same appreciation for the word, and you say, yeah, but the Bible says so-and-so. And they say, well, I know that. But this, what they're saying is they don't believe in the integrity of the word like you do. So you can tell them what the scripture says all day long, but that's just like, well, yeah, but. And was, they think their experience trumps what the word says. So if they don't have the same integrity and the belief and the confidence in the word that you do, you can tell them all day long what the Bible says. They're like, yeah, well, whatever. See what I'm saying? Because they're, they're still walking it out, not by the spirit, but in the flesh, and they're checking their bodies, and they're checking their situations, and they're, you're throwing them some scriptures, and they're, they need something to happen in the emotional seeing, feeling realm to gain the confidence. And that's, really, that's just real easy for the devil because that's where he operates is in the, the visible realm, the flesh realm. But the weapons that we have, they're, they're, not, they're, you know, they're not carnal. Everything that we do is in the spirit. So if you're one of those that you got to see it, taste it, feel it, touch it, the enemy's just going to play with that person all day long because that, that's his realm where he operates in. He can change feelings and thoughts and pictures and you know because he's operating out here in the physical realm. So if that's what you got to have, he's just going to own that person all day long. But when you come to place, you say, no, but the Bible says this. And this is, so this is kind of like bottom line. This is, this is what he says. This, he says, I am who he says I am. As he is, so, I, so am I down upon time. Then these things begin to absorb, be a part of your belief system. You, you get it in your heart, get it in your mouth. It's there. You have the integrity of the word. And then you go out and you begin to get results. And then they begin to build. You know, and then having successes does build, does build confidence, but you, you, you can't wait to have confidence to start. Your confidence has to be that you're fully persuaded in the Word. Now, that was interesting what he just taught about the 30, 60, 100 fold. Because I spent a few hours a day looking at stuff like this, and I hadn't watched this thing because there's, there, there is a 30, 60, 100. And sometimes, you know, staying with something. Um, he didn't say this, but I'll say it. It's, it's like, uh, he said, well how, well, how could you be at 30, or how could you be at 60 and go to 30, or how could you be at 100 and go to 30? Well, that's just real easy in a lot of analogies. Um, if 
had a good one for you ladies, I'd do it. But if I was a sniper, you know what snipers are, right? You have to be skilled, right? Uh, do you think they practice targets, right? I mean, do you get the certificate and the ribbon for being a professional or whatever you would call a sniper and you're like, you're that forever? Or does it require lots of training? So you could have a 100% day and then you don't pick your rifle up and you don't go through your breathing exercises, you don't do the checklist, you don't go through all the, see what I'm saying? And, and then six months later, you just pick it up and you're 100%, I, I, I bet you you're not. Because when I was 14, I used to have a 40-pound pull bow. And somebody said, was it compound? Yeah, right here. And I had a target, and I had a bunch of pressed cardboard and targets. And, and I did it just for fun. Uh, but sometimes I would practice, uh, I couldn't every day, but sometimes I'd practice one to three hours a day just with that at 20 yards up to 40 yards. Uh, but... I got good enough that if I wanted to, and I did, I could go squirrel hunting or bird hunting with my bow and, and bring something home. I'm talking about with squirrel running in a tree. But if I didn't pick that bow up and, and practice with it, I, I'd lose the accuracy. See what I'm saying? And if, if you're not looking at the word and you're not meditating, you're, you're not keeping it in your heart and in your mouth and you're looking at it, you, you may not stay at 100 it's not that you disbelieve it, but it is, you're not on the cutting edge of it. Does that make sense? You, could, you probably have been analogies like that, but, but, but you see what I'm saying. It's just sometimes, you know, there's a rhythm to something that you're doing, and, and you got it like this. Um, I mean, I, I can do it with a motorcycle. There's time, times, because I ain't been on it in a long time, and, and it's like, I'll be on it, it's like, have you ever rode one? <laughs> you know, you're, my timing's off, my, my gear changing, and all kind of stuff, and is that... Well, Jeff, you used to, you know, drive big trucks. It's about the same with the big truck. I mean, you got more than one gear to go through, right? And I mean, you're, you know, and so it's just there's a because you're you're proficient because you're you're consistent, and there's things that you consistently do to stay proficient. And with it's not it's not God it's never God fluctuating because see the wheel never fluctuates. That's his point. So God's not making decisions on people, case-by-case case decisions. He's, he's already made his decision. See what I'm saying? And they do have a part to it, but the biggest thing lies on us, so it, it's, it's where we are. That's why you can get overoccupied and too busy. So you've got to know what the main thing is so you can keep the main thing the main, th the main thing. So you need to know what I'm doing. You need to know what to say yes to in life so that when you've determined what yes is, now you know what to say no to. Because when you ain't determined yes, you might say yes to anything, or sometimes you just say, no, I can't do that because I've already said yes to this. Anyway. Hallelujah. Does this help anybody? These classes? Good. Well, let's receive the offering before we go. Praise the Lord.